Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning. Today we are in 1 Chronicles 18. 1 Chronicles 18. I missed you guys yesterday. Pastor Harry and I had to do a little swap of our days, but I'm here. I'm ready. I'm excited. Um, so uh, before we begin, let's go ahead and uh, open up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we have just to dig into your word, learn more about your word, about your people, Father, your, 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 your children of Israel, Lord God, and how you sustained them, you brought them through, Lord God. And I pray that you would just speak to us during this time, Father. I pray for everyone who's who's gotten up early. They've prepared themselves, Lord, to, to receive from you, Lord God. I pray that you will do, indeed speak to them, Father. And I pray for everyone else listening later on in the podcast, Lord God. Just be with us, Lord, and uh, continue to reveal new truths to you in a way that only you can. Father, we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. All right. <clears throat> First Chronicles 18. And I am reading from the New King James Version. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines, subdued them, and took Gath and his towns from the hand of the Philistines. Then he defeated Moab, and the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. And David defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath as he went to establish his power by the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 7,000 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and, and brought them to Jerusalem. Also from Tibhath and from Chun, cities of Hadadezer, David brought a large amount of bronze with which, with which Solomon made the bronze sea, the pillars, and the articles of bronze. Now when two king of Hamath heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadadezer king of Zobah, he sent Hadaram his son to King David to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him, for Hadadezer had been at war with two. And Hadaram brought with him all kinds of articles of gold, silver, and bronze. King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had brought from all these nations, from Edom, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, and from Amalek. Moreover, Abishai, the son of Zerai, killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and administered judgment and justice to all his people. Joab, the son of Zerui, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahalud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitab, and Abimelech, the son of Abathar, were the priests. 
Shavsha was a scribe. Benai, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were chief ministers at the king's side. Amen. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, a stretch. Get you some Bustelo, and then we're going to get into this one. All right. So it begins. David attacked the Philistines, and he subdued him. And we know the Philistines had been causing trouble for Israel for centuries at this point. And they often dominated Israel. But under the reign of King David, he both attacked and subdued these enemies. And David didn't avoid fighting the Philistines because Israel had lost to them so many times before. David was like, we're going to get them. You know, and we and we see this all the way from when he was a young boy, you know, when when, when he when he killed Goliath, like he was not afraid to go after the enemies of Israel. And it says he took Gath when, when he became king. The Philistines at that point were taking territory from God's people. But under David's leadership, God's people began to take territory from the enemy. So all the enemy that, that they had lost, they were taking back under King David. And 2 Samuel 15, 18 gives evidence of David's conquest of, of, of Gath. It says, and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. David was successfully destroying the enemies of Israel. It says in verse 2 that um, he defeated Moab. And David's war against Moab and, and his, his harsh treatment of the, the Moabite army seems out of place considering that David's great-grandmother was a Moabite. Ruth, that we read about a few months ago, was David's great-grandmother. So um, the fact that she was a Moabite, is like, why would David attack them? And the, and, and he also, we read in, in 1 Samuel 22, um, that he entrusted his mother and his father into the care of the Moabites, right? So why would he go against the Moabites where, you know, he has ancestry with them and he also trusted his, his parents with them. Well, it could be, you know, and, and there's no, there's nothing uh, specifically saying this, but there is um, rabbinical stories about this, that, that the Moabites, they may have um, killed or mistreated David's parents while they were, were entrusted to them. So this may have been David's way of being like, all right, okay, y'all going to mess with my, my family. Okay. We gonna handle handle this business, you know what I'm saying? So he he went against Moab, Moab and, and took them out. And it says that they brought tribute to him, right? God did not want Israel to destroy every single nation, right? Now, when Israel was first entering the Promised Land, that was a, a different a different time, you know. This was that was hundreds of years in the past. So now it was. Um, you know, it, he didn't. God didn't want every single nation just to be utterly wiped off the face of the earth, because because God He wanted Israel to be so blessed, He wanted Israel to be so strong that the other nations would see that, and they would come to God, right? And and He wanted um, Israel to be recognized for their dominance and their strength and the fact that they serve the one true living God. Israel was supposed to be an example to all the nations around them. 
So that's why, you know, at this point, it's like we're not destroying every single nation. It says in verse three, as he went to establish his power by the river Euphrates, right? Um, this is this is really key in this this portion of scripture. The king of Zola, which was a, a Syrian kingdom, um, you know, came ran into David on his way to capture the territory of the Euphrates, and David's dominance extended all the way to the Euphrates River. The border of um, of Israel extended all the way there, and and so what's significant about this is that this fulfills the promise that God made to Abraham chapters and chapters ago, months and months ago of us doing this soap, brothers and sisters. We talked about Abraham in the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, chapter fifteen, verse eighteen, he says, "To your descendants I give you this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river." the Euphrates, the Euphrates. So David, in conquering the land and taking over the land and extending the territory of Israel to the fruit Euphrates was fulfilling the promise of God hundreds and hundreds of years prior. That's amazing, right? What's that tell us, brothers and sisters? When God makes a promise, it will come to pass, right? It will come to, come to pass. All his promises are yes and amen. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But hey, it may not happen in our lifetime. We may not see the promise come to fruition. But if God made a promise in your life, you can bet your bottom dollar that's going to come to pass. And it may come to pass in your children's lifetime. Maybe your children's children Right. And, and and we're going to see a couple of examples of that here in a few minutes, you know, but God made a promise to Abraham. Right. The patriarch of the children of Israel. That I will give you this land all the way to the Euphrates. And here he is, you know, eight, nine thousand years later. It's coming to pass. That's very, very powerful. Syria was a great heathen nation to the north, and it was divided into two groups at this time. They had two capitals, Zola and Damascus, but they were they they united together against David, but they found themselves helpless against David. And David was able to conquer them and take the land that God had promised Abraham so long ago. Verse four says, um, he, David hamstrung all the horses. This means that David um they they crippled the horses. And and this was this was listen, this was out of military necessity. This wasn't um uh, this wasn't just animal cruelty, okay? You know, he just didn't just wake up one day like, hey, let's just let's just cripple these horses. No, there was a reason for it, you know, because David could not care for so many horses while on a military campaign. And he certainly couldn't give them back to the enemy, right? But it says he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. David, keeping such a small number of uh, a number of horses it shows um it shows remarkable self-control right because you see all these horses this is this is a commodity right you know but you know he he put his trust in God and not on all the resources that were, were coming in and also David obeyed the law of Moses found in Deuteronomy 17 in Deuteronomy 17 verse 16 it says the king, the king must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. And David absolutely refused to trust in horses on his military campaigns. David's trust was in God 
and in God alone, right? You know, so it's easy for us, brothers and sisters, when we're going through something to see what's happening around us and put our trust on this thing, on that thing, on this person, on this friend, this family member, this job, whatever it may be, right? But all those things will fail, right? He could have kept these horses and these horses could have, you know, been a nightmare to him caring for all these horses, right? But he decided to put his trust in God. He put his trust in God. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It says in verse 7 that David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadazer. David took what was the glory of the enemy and transformed it into trophies of, of power and the goodness of God. And David displays these, these, these shields of gold, testifying to God's work in and through David. He took what was what the, what the enemy had and he was going to use it for God's glory. David brought a large amount of bronze with which Solomon made the bronze sea, the pillars, and the articles of bronze. The the, the gathering of this treasure to Jerusalem was going to later be used in the building of the temple. And this shows the reason why the, the, the writer of the book of Chronicles um, chose these particular events from 2 Samuel to, to, to put more emphasis on. Right. You know, and 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 as we're in Chronicles, we're going to see some a lot of parallels in the book of, of first and second Samuel that we've heard, we've just been through for over the past couple of months. Right. And a lot of chapters are almost exactly the same. But there's a reason why Chronicles puts emphasis on some of these things. Right. Because these are really important events. OK, so um, we uh, we decided when putting the soap together to stick with Chronicles instead of going to do something else and then coming back later, even though we just did Second Sam, First and Second Samuel, just to show um, that there is so much correlation in the Bible, right? And and so you, you, we may get some some soap days, brothers and sisters, that you're like, man, I feel like I've heard this before, and you and you did, and you did. All right. But I want to make sure we hear um, you, you're going to hear from a different voice, maybe telling a very similar story. Right. And so here we're seeing that the writer of Chronicles took what happened in Second Samuel and is putting more emphasis on some of these things. Right. I mean, we're talking about building of the temple. If you to build a temple, you needed a couple of things to build a temple. You need security. You needed money to make the temple happen. And these 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 chapters show how David, though, he could not build the temple himself. He was not, not allowed to build the temple. God was very specific with him. Like, you will not do this. Your son Solomon will build my temple. But but David was going to go ahead and obtain the security and the money necessary for his son Solomon to build the temple. See, that this, 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 this chapter is very, very interesting. It shows, it shows how in these wars that David was, was involved in, he was amassing treasure. With this purpose in view, he was taking the treasure and putting it to the side, taking the gold, putting it to the side, taking the silver, the bronze, the jewels, and getting them ready, not for himself, for his son, for his son. Even when, listen, even when God shuts the door for us to do a work, he, we may still be involved in it. We still may play a part 
in it, often by gathering the treasures for the work, just as David did for the temple that his son would ultimately build. And this and so this this is a correlation, you know. God made a promise to Abraham that you will have the land all the way to the Euphrates, and here it comes to pass, nearly a thousand years later. David is a you know wanted to build a temple for God, and God said no, but David was wise and he was obedient and he gathered everything together. He gathered all the the materials and the building supplies for God's magnificent temple, right? That David would never see. He would never see. Brothers and sisters, we are building a, a testimony. We are building a, a, a temple for God every single week when we go to church and we get ready, right? And there are promises, there are victories, there is deliverance that we may not see in our lifetime, right? But we're part of the laying of the foundation of those promises of those miracles, of those blessings. Do not ever think that your work for the kingdom of God is in vain. Do not ever think that what you do for God's kingdom doesn't matter. Don't ever think you're just spinning your wheels like it's not a big deal. I'm telling you right now, it matters so much because the promises that God made to you may not be for you. It may be for your children, your children's children. It may be for a generation that's to come to pass next, right? The 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 miracle that we are sitting in right now that is Fusion Church, right? Not one of us was a part of the original laying of that foundation. Now, some of us here, you know, they may have been early on, you know, prior to Fusion to New Covenant Community Church, you know, you know, the the the, the early early days. Right, but the vast majority of, of of fusion church, we weren't a part of that. We were not a part of that, right? The individuals who are still part of this church, you know, from from the beginning, like 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 Bob and Barb Gilmore, who you know who have been so instrumental in this church, right? They are like point zero zero something percent of the of the the population that is fusion church, right? The promises weren't made to us. They were made to them and the early saints, right? And the people who they were, they were part of our church in the beginning, they don't see what's happening. We are living in it, right? We are living in it. So how much more is God going to do in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years because of the work that we're doing today? How many more people are going to know who Jesus Christ is? How many more people are going to get saved? How many more people are going to be delivered, are going to be healed, are going to have victory because of the work that we are doing today in the body of Christ? David was preparing and working and, and, and dominating, you know, pagan nations, right, for, for a work that he was never going to see come to fruition. But he had faith. He believed. Brothers and sisters, I am believing that there are greater things that are going to, that are going to happen even out, uh, outside of our lifetime, past our lifetime. But we have to be faithful as David was faithful. We have to be faithful as Abraham was faithful. Right. And just trust and believe that the God who said it was going to happen is going to make it happen. Amen. That's all we have to do is just trust God. Period. Point blank. End of story. Verse nine um, says to the king of Hamath. And, um, 
and it says in verse 10, he sent his son Hadaram um, to King David. And, and so, so neighboring nations of Israel saw the hand of God on David and wanted to bring him honor, wanted to bring him gifts, because they knew that a strong, godly leader of Israel was good for the whole community of nations, right? Because if this mighty nation, Israel, has a good king, a just king, a God-fearing king, even if we don't believe in that God. But if they're righteous, then that's someone that I want to know. I want to be on good terms with, right? And so this king sends his son to bring gifts to David. And, 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 and what's that tell us, brothers and sisters? There are people within your circle of influence who do not know God but they want to know you. They want to be in relationship with you. Why? Because there's something different about you. You carry yourself different. You walk different. You have a smile on your face. You have joy in your heart, right? And they're living in in despair, in the mire and murkiness of life. And they're like, what is up with this person? What is up with Mary? What is up with Kendra? What is up with Doug? You know, what is up with James? Why are they different? Why are they? I want to be, I want, I just want to be friends with them. That's it. Right. And we become a walking testimony of who God is. Right. We become a, a walking testimony of what God has done in our lives. Right. And you don't have to beat them over the head with the gospel. You don't gotta. You you don't have to come walking into your walk. You going into your workplace, floating above them with your righteousness. No, you just walk with the joy of the Lord. That's it. And eventually, they will ask the question: Why are you so happy? Why do you have a smile on your face? You know, this is crazy because we just. You know, my my. Uh, we have a men's freedom group here in Cumberland County that we just met last night, and. Um, we were talking almost about this exact thing, you know, about just last night, just, you know, just, just walking with the Lord and being an example. We don't have to say anything. We can just be who God has created us to be and he will make the opportunities happen. David didn't have to go to, um, the, uh, the, the king of Hamath and ask for, for, for supplication to ask for gifts. No, he was just David being a man after God's own heart, being obedient to what God asked him to do. And the riches were coming to him. And that was it. You know, not every pagan nation surrounding Israel was was hostile to Israel or, or, or to their God. And David didn't treat them all as if they were hostile. See, we often, we, we we make a mistake, brothers and sisters. This is so important. We make a mistake if we trust that every unbeliever is, is openly hostile to God. They're not. Just because they're not a believer in God doesn't mean that they aren't open to being a believer in God. Just because they don't believe um, who Jesus Christ is, just because they think the Bible is just a an old book, these are just that these are just crazy stories that we read about, right? Doesn't mean that their heart isn't open to to receiving who Jesus Christ is, and how we walk 
how we carry ourselves, how we talk goes a long way, a long way to reaching the people around us for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's so that's ooh, that's 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 key. Verse 11 says, King David also dedicated these to the Lord. When, when, when David received the acclaim from the nations, he dedicated it all to God. And he knew that the praise and the glory belonged to God and not to himself. See, David D- David um, could handle successes as well as, as failures. And we've seen David fail, right? Here were his example of David being successful. And he put it all on God. God did it. And it would have been easy for David to take all the adulation. You know, walk around with his chest puffed up and just like, yeah, yeah, King David, y'all. Y'all recognize. But no, he pointed everyone to God. He gave glory to God. It says from Edom, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, and from Amalek, by by, by, by citing these um, subdued nations, we learn that, that David's victories were complete. God used David to lead Israel to victory over enemies in every direction. Israel possessed more of the land that God had promised to Abraham under David's reign than at any other time. And he was able to accomplish so much against the enemies of God because he, unlike Saul, was not consumed with fighting against the people of God. He was consumed with fighting for the people of God. It says in verse 13 that the Lord preserved David wherever he went. This is this, this is the summary, right, of this entire chapter. That God preserved David. Every victory, every enemy subdued, subdued was, was a testimony to the Lord's power in the life and in the reign of King David. So verse 14, it says he reigned. David reigned. This, this, this is a chapter of victory, of blessing. This is a chapter of prosperity. It, it describes the national life of Israel during the reign of David. And this is one reason why David is regarded as the greatest king Israel ever had in their entire history. And this is how, this is how God wanted to reign in the life of Saul. That's what he wanted. But Saul resisted the Lord, and he resisted the Lord's spirit on his life. Saul wanted to do what Saul wanted to do, when Saul wanted to do it, and how Saul wanted to do it. He didn't want to seek God until it was too late. He didn't want to ask God for, for what to do and how to do it until it was too late. But David allowed God to subdue him. David allowed God to lead his life, right? He allowed God to do whatever God wanted to do in his life. And because of this, all the rival nations were subdued under David. And it says he administered judgment and justice to all his people. This shows that David was a great king to his own people. Not only against uh, the neighboring nations, but he fulfilled what is the fundamental duty of government. And that is to administer justice and to administer judgment on the people. David was a great king, the greatest king um, ever. 
Now, we can argue under his son Solomon that Israel had more prosperity, they got you know, richer and all this stuff because of the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, but Solomon, after Solomon, we're, you know, we, we're going to read that the nation was split, right? Because Solomon started doing evil, right? So under David is when Israel really had its greatest time of prosperity. In uh, the next few verses, 15, 16, 17, starts naming names, Joab, Jehoshaphat, Zadok, Abimelech, Johash, Benai, right? These are all great men that, that David had around him to help him help him with the administration of the nation. No, listen, no great ruler succeeds by himself. No great leader does anything by himself. Only the smallest of organizations can be governed um, well without a gifted and, and, and a committed team running it. Part of David's success as a ruler was in his ability to assemble, to train, to empower, and maintain such a team. You know, we never find a list like this under the organization of King Saul or his government. Because this is because David's government had much more form and structure than Saul's. And there's a limit to what um, what we can be and what we can do for the Lord without order and without organization. Right? Order and organization are requirements for progress in our life. There's a, there's, 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 it shows progress in our Christian life. And it, and it shows us becoming more like the Lord. Nothing, nothing is accomplished in God's kingdom without order and organization. Which, while it may seem to us um, that we don't need that, it's an illusion. Order and organization are key. You know, you see that even in our church, there's order and organization. If we relied on just Pastor Brendan to lead Fusion Church at this size that our church is in, there's no way. He's one man, right? Even, I'll even say, if we relied on just Pastor Brendan and just our elders, if we relied on just those those those, 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 those wise men to lead a church, yeah, they're... they're Listen, they they definitely lead our church, but they, they they can't handle every single thing, right? Every single thing in a church. That's why the church relies on all of us, everyone on this call, everyone you know that that attends the church to play a part in what God is doing, right? That's why we don't just have a, a senior pastor and elders. We have other pastors in the church, directors in the church, and then we have you guys, you amazing volunteers. You know, who do so much that we cannot do. That's why we're successful because there's order, there's organization, right? This is following the biblical blueprint that was established by David. And David established this under the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, right? So do not ever think, do not ever think that if a church has structure, if a church has organization, if a church has systems, then that is somehow not of God. Somehow not of God. Because how can we manage all the people walking through the doors of our church? Listen, I don't know how EHT went this past weekend at Friends and Family, right? I can't speak on EHT, but I can certainly speak on Cumberland County, right? And we had an overflow of people show up for Friends and Family. 
If we did not have order and organization and structure and systems, how do how 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 can we properly pastor and shepherd, right, and disciple all these hundreds of people that walk through the doors of the church? We can't. We can't. Eventually, they're they're going to be like sheep gone astray. There has to be structure and systems in place. It's biblical. It's biblical, right? And David shows this, right? And through David's lifetime, we're able to see what happens when there is not structure and organization under Saul and then under David, because David had people around him, people to help him administer justice and judgment and lead the people of Israel, right? There is order in the Bible, brothers and sisters, right? And, and and behind the scenes, God is constantly moving with order and organization, though we sometimes don't always see it. It's happening. There's order all around us, right? And I don't have time to get into everything that we see. You can just look outside and you see order. You see structure. You see organization because of what God, God has done, right? And finally, we're going to end right here. Verse 16, Zadok, the son of Ahatub, and Abimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. There were, were there were two priests, um, priestly centers at this time, right? Um, thus, there were two priests. Um, one was at, at, at a, a Gibeah with the tabernacle of Moses. And, and the altar of burnt offerings. And then the other was at Jerusalem with the special tent that David made for the Ark of the Covenant. So there were two priests at the time. And, um, but eventually we're going to see that it's our, everything's going to be just organized into one priestly location in Jerusalem. And then finally, when King, when King Solomon comes on board and he builds the temple, one place for the burnt offerings, one place for worship in Jerusalem. So the people had a place to go to worship God. Brothers and sisters, as we close, listen, what are we going to get from this chapter, right? Two things, order and organization. We serve a God of order. We serve a God of organization. We serve a God of structure, right? Oftentimes when we feel like our, our life is out of order, it's because we've made some decisions to, to, to place it out of order, right? And let's be real. There are times when we know we are being completely obedient to what God has for our life, and it still seems out of order. But if we just look to God, look straight, as Pop says, keep your focus on God. Focus, focus on God. It can be chaos around us, but we're focusing on God. If Peter had just kept his focus on Jesus while he was walking on the water, my man would still be walking on the water today, right? But he lost his focus. And the other thing we got to keep in mind is that God has made promises to us, right? And we may not see it come to pass, but this chapter is an example, a perfect example, right, of a promise made perhaps a thousand years prior comes to fruition now through the through the great 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 grandson of of Abraham and King David and the land came under the rule of Israel. God is faithful. God is just. Keep your focus on him at all times, brothers and sisters. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord God. 
Thank you for your, your, your word, Lord God, that we can continue every single day. We continually see your promises come to pass. We can see uh, examples like a David, you know, fulfilling the promise that you made to his ancestor, Abraham. We can see the promise that you, that, you know, you made to David about the temple that his son would eventually build. And David will never see, Lord God, but he was faithful to be, to, to, to be obedient to you. And it came to pass, Lord God. So thank you for this promise, Lord God. Thank you for these truths that we can have every single day. Father, I pray that, that we will continue to look to you, 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 you and you alone every single day for guidance, for discernment, for wisdom, for purpose, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for my brothers and sisters on this call, for my brothers and sisters listening later on the podcast. Lord, bless them. Lord, keep them, guide them, give them new insight. Father, open up their minds, open up their hearts to receive new things from you so that their so that their well could be filled jesus thank you for everything you're doing in our lives in jesus name amen and amen and amen all right brothers and sisters i love y'all i'll see some of y'all this weekend and the rest i'll see you next week god bless